don't know about you, but I just sense the presence of the Lord in the house today. I just sense God moving in here today, and I appreciate his presence. And never take it for granted that God choose to dwell among us and to manifest himself with us. Amen. Hallelujah. Just uh, again, as Pastor Tina said, we just welcome all of our guests, first time visitors. Maybe it's a long time since you've been here. We're just so glad that you came. And those that are watching online, we welcome you today. And those that are listening on WAFC Radio 100.5, we welcome you today. We appreciate our guests and our visitors. Amen. Can you just give God a great big God bless you for those that are watching, listening, those that are visiting? Amen. Hallelujah. Don't forget, uh, coming up in about seven weeks uh, is our Easter celebration time here at New Harvest Church. And it's also the time where we bring our resurrection seed offering. How many are beginning to work on that already? Amen. Thank all three of us. The rest of us are going to be in trouble. Hallelujah. We just begin to work on that. We're just believing God for a significant offering that day. It's just the one time a year that we do that. We just really believe for God to stretch our faith and our giving. Stretch our faith and our giving. The, uh, as you notice that we only have one service a week around here. So there's only really one opportunity that people give. Most people don't give when they're not here. But... Uh, so what we do is every year at Easter time, we receive an extra offering that just goes into our general budget just to help us expand the work of the ministries without belaboring you every time we need to do something special. And so that just helps us do that. And one of the ways that we challenge everybody every year, I mean, that God doesn't require equal giving, but he does require equal sacrifice. And so one of the ways that we do that, we just, we just uh, challenge everybody to give one week's income. Just give one. Usually that's a stretch of faith for everybody. And so it doesn't matter if you make $100 a week or $1,000 a week. You can just believe God for one week's income, and you got seven weeks to prepare for it. Amen. Amen. I'm just waiting on some faith in here right now. I just I feel like, like it's a little staggering right now. But we just believe God for that to be a significant day. We believe 2,000 years ago that God planted the best seed that heaven had and he planted it into the earth and he reaped a harvest called mankind. And so we believe on that day we bring our best seed, amen, on top of our regular tithes and offerings. I mean, know that your, your seed is a seed, it's not a tithe. In fact, you, you, you can't even really give a seed until you tithe. Your, your, your tithe comes first and then your seed, amen. So we're just expecting God to do great things on that day, amen. Thank you for praying for us. My wife, she's in uh, Oklahoma City there with, with Pastor uh, Kathy and uh, just helping her through those transitions that they're going through there and her personally. And uh, she'll be home this coming week in the next few days. But uh, we just thank God for what he's doing through Pastor Kathy at the Gate Church. I'm telling you, it's an amazing time in their life. And uh, just I'm amazed at the strength of Pastor Kathy. I really am. Just the strength. And uh, I, I know behind the scenes the, uh, the everyday duties that she has to fulfill, and uh, just to watch her step up and take control of the reins and just begin to move that vision forward is absolutely incredible, and the grace of God and the strength of God is upon her life, so we just continue to pray for them, continue to pray for the Gate Church, and just what God is doing in, that, in the middle of all that transition, good things are going to come out of it, amen, good things are going to happen, so we just continue to pray for them, for them. Also, when I walked in this morning, it just blessed my heart. 
I saw Howard Stahl sitting there this morning. We just rejoice with him today. Praise God for him. Amen. Many of you know his, uh, his wife passed away about a week and a half ago, Miss Pat. She went on to be with the Lord. We're, we're having her celebration service this coming Saturday at 11 a.m. right here at New Harvest Church. And been married for over 60-something years, right, Howard? They've been married over 60-something years. What is it? 62? 62 years. And uh, I mean, that's a major transition. That's a major transition. And Howard, you just blessed my life today when I came in and I saw you. I thank God for the strength of God in your life. And uh, we're going to celebrate with you the, what an amazing gift Pat was to this house. What an amazing cornerstone of faith she is to all of our lives. And so we rejoice and we celebrate. She's in the grandstands of heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. She's, she's up there cheering for every one of us. Man, can you imagine who she's hanging out with? People like Bishop Tony Miller. Hallelujah. My dad. Oh, my Lord. Can you imagine some of your loved ones that have made it there? Can you imagine they just walking around, Jesus Rivera, walking around, high-fiving people and saying, man, you made it, you made it. I don't know about you, but that makes heaven a little bit sweeter. It really does. It makes it a little bit sweeter. So we just thank God for those things. Come on, stand to your feet this morning if you don't mind. Grab your Bibles. We're just going to jump right in here today. And um, I apologize in advance for going 15, 18, it's actually 18 minutes over time yesterday for those that were keeping watch. And um, I learned, I learned a valuable lesson right after service Sunday morning, last Sunday morning. Uh, when I said I, I didn't know how to land this plane, I, I learned a valuable lesson. Uh, our brother Don Martin, I don't think he's here today, but he's a, he was, he's a former pilot. He flew in Vietnam and, and he flew airline pilots commercially. He came up to me immediately right after service and he said, I'm going to answer your question. I said, what question's that? He said, I'm going to teach you how to land the plane. <laughs> he said, the first thing you do is you throttle back, put the landing gear down, and head for the runway. <laughs> and I thought, well, praise the Lord. And then I ran into Clyde the other day in the restaurant, and Clyde says, I'm going to teach you how to land the plane. He said, the first thing you do is you throttle back, put the landing gear down, and head for the runway. I thought, well, praise the Lord. God's speaking to me. <laughs> So I, if nothing else, I've learned how to land the plane. I may not have to know how to finish a message, but I know how to land the plane. <laughs> first Kings, First Kings, First Kings chapter 1, just working off our text here. This would be our fifth message and our last message in, 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 in this particular verses of Scripture. If you have not been here or if you missed any one of these services, I would just, in, just encourage you. To go back, you can go to our, our website, our, our app, I think, and you can pick these messages up and pick them up because I'm speaking something over this house. And, uh, and I just want you to know that, that I didn't come to pick a fight with you, but I did come to pick a fight with the devil. I did. And, and, and I, part of my anointing on this planet is not to go look for a devil, but I'm definitely not afraid to challenge the devil. And I believe there's something in the atmosphere of what is happening. And I believe the people of God are about to rise up and see monumental victories. Amen. So 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 5. And then I'm going to jump around a little bit. So just kind of hang out with me for a little bit. 
1 Kings chapter 1, verse number 5. Now, Adoniah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. So he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen with 50 men to run before him. Verse number 7. And he had conferred with Joab, the son of Zerai, and with Abathar, the priest. And following Adoniah, they helped him. But Zadok, the priest, and Benaniah, the son of Jehodiah, Nathan, the prophet, and Shimei, Ray, and the mighty men who belonged to David were not with Adoniah. Don't have time to qualify everything, but not everybody's going to run with the devil. There are some people that's going to just say, no, that ain't God. There are some people not going to run with them. In verse number 11, then Nathan spoke to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, have you not heard that Adoniah, the son of Haggith, has become king, and now David, our Lord, does not know it? So now... Come, please, let, let me give you counsel and save your life and the life of your son Solomon. Go at once to King David and say to him, Have you not heard my Lord, O King, sworn, have, o king and sworn to your maidservant, saying, Surely Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne. Here's the question. Why then doth Adoniah become king? If Solomon is supposed to be king, then how come Adoniah has become king? And then you get on through there, you begin to pick up a little bit what we've been preaching on. But go with me to chapter 2, verse number 12. And Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, his, his, David his father, and the kingdom was firmly established. Now I want to pick up just a little bit more here. Look, look with me in chapter 3. Solomon is now king. Chapter 3, verse number 4. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for there was a great high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night, and God said, Ask what you wish me to give you. Whew, that's powerful to me. What are you dreaming about? What if the Lord just showed up in your dreams and just asked you, what are you dreaming about? Then Solomon said, you have shown great loving kindness to your servant David, my father, according as he walked before you in truth and in righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you. And you have reserved for him this great loving kindness that you've given him a son to sit on his throne as it is to this day. Now, O oh my Lord God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. Yet I am but a little child, and I do not know how to go out or how to come in. Your servant is in the midst of your people, which you have chosen, a great people who are too many to be numbered or counted. So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge these people of yours? Verse number 10. And it was pleasing in the sight of the Lord. And Solomon asked this thing. And God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not, and not have asked for long life, nor have you asked riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but you've asked for yourself discernment to understand justice. 
Behold, I have done according to your words. Behold, I've given you a wise and discerning heart so that there has been no one like you before you, nor shall there be anyone arise after you like you. And I've also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there will be, so that there will not be any among the kings like you all the days of your life. Wow, what an amazing promise. But I want to go back to verse number 13 of chapter 1. This is where I'm stuck at. This is where I want to pick up and move on. He said, go at once to King David, saying, have you not, my Lord, O King, sworn to your maidservant, saying, Solomon, surely Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne. And that's the scripture that we're working on. If Solomon is supposed to be king, why then doth Adoniah reign? So we're talking about overcoming the spirit of Adoniah. I need you to help me just prophesy this into the atmosphere and maybe touch two or three people and tell them the Adoniah spirit is coming down. The Adoniah spirit is coming down. Will you just help me? Would you just say that to somebody around you? Just tell them Adoniah will not reign forever. It's coming down in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you this morning for your power and your presence. Lord, there's nothing apart from you that would benefit any of us. But, Lord, if you show up, Lord, if you begin to magnify yourself, things can change. Lord, I thank you for those that have gathered. Thank you for those that have tuned in. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in the next few moments. Lord, I thank you for the ability to teach and preach the word of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to respond. Holy Spirit, I pray today, Lord, that you would wear me now like a coat. Use me, as it were, to speak the very oracles of God. Thank you today for what you're going to do in this place. Thank you today for victory. Thank you today for power. Thank you today for the anointing. Thank you today, Lord, that strongholds are being broken even now as we speak. And Lord, we just declare today in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you this morning. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. As we look around us and begin to observe uh, what is literally taking place all over the world, you can't help but believe, one can't help but believe that we are living in some unprecedented times in our world. To say that we are living in some unusual days and uncertain times is really an understatement because we really are living in some, in some uncertain days, unusual days. But still yet, in the midst of all the uncertainty, in the midst of all the unusualness of the days that we find ourselves living in, there's a sensing that we have come to what I'm calling a generational thrust in the realm of the spirit, and there's an empowerment that's taking place in the midst of the uncertainty. Thank you for your amens right there. there, 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 there there's an empowerment that's taking place in the midst of the unusual days, in the midst of the things that cannot be predicted, things that cannot be futurized, things that cannot be categorized. In the midst of all that, God is still empowering his people to do great exploits in the earth. Uh, in the midst of these days, there is this, I'm just using these words, these are my words, God is using a generational thrust because he's 
coming to a generation, and it doesn't have nothing to do with chronological age. He's coming to a generation who understands that it's a Kairos moment. It's, it's not a Kronos moment. It's not the everyday time, but it's a strategic time. It's a Kairos moment in the lives of God's people where God is moving in the hearts of his people. And he who has an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches can pick up what God is saying. And they can move with the Holy Ghost. They can move with the Spirit. And they begin to execute the power that God has intended for the church to live out. To the point that there's no doubt, you have to understand today, that there's no doubt that God is up to something. Hallelujah. While at the same time, we may not be completely aware of what he is totally up to, you have to know that he is up to something. And part of the role of the church, part of the role of the body of Christ is to discern what he is doing and to discern what he is not doing. Part of the role of the church is to understand and discern what God is up to and get attached to his agenda and discern what God is not up to and detach ourselves from that agenda. Solomon prayed, Lord, give me a discerning heart. Give me the ability and the wisdom so that I can hear from heaven and take what is on the agenda of heaven and manifest it among your people. Lord, I need a heart to discern. He said, I am like a child. I don't know how to go in. I don't know how to come out. I, I, don't know how to, I don't know how to make accurate decisions. But if you will speak to me, and if you will give me a discerning heart, then I can begin to move with the things of God. And how many know that today it's true that, that, that in the realm of the Spirit, uh, you just have to check yourself and ask yourself, you have to know that there's this sensing that's taking place all over the world, that God is moving, and there is a prophetic fulfillment that has taken place. God is moving all over the earth, and there is prophetic fulfillment that has taken place all over the earth. And in this hour of prophetic fulfillment, this will be on the screen for you, God is not asking the enemy permission to do anything. Hallelujah. God is not checking with the enemy to see if he can do something. How many know that God's not intimidated of your enemy? God is not saying, well, I see how bad it is down there. I just better make sure that I can do what I want to do, make sure that I make sure that the enemy is okay with it. How I many know that the enemy has already been defeated? He is forever defeated, and he will never have a victory ever, ever, ever again. He is forever defeated. It doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. It doesn't matter what it feels like. It doesn't matter what it seems like. The enemy of your life has forever been defeated. So God is not checking with the enemy to see if he can do something. Hallelujah. God is God, and he's God all by himself. And so, so how many know that some of our greatest battles, some of our greatest battles takes place right at the time of transition? Right before we begin to occupy on the next level, there is these intensities of the battles that begin to take place. Some of you are walking through battles right now, and it's the intensity of the battle that should be the indication that something is about to break loose. I wouldn't be going through what I'm going through if God wasn't about to be doing something. 
I'm going through what I'm going through because the enemy has recognized the fact that there is a sensing in the people of God. There is a discerning in the people of God. There is a knowing that is taking place in the people of God. And even though their eyes don't see it and their hands can't touch it, they know in their heart that God is moving. And the enemy knows if I can discourage them now, they will quit putting their faith into something that they don't have. And if he can begin to discourage us and pull us back, he'll know that he'll get the upper hand. But ladies and gentlemen, there's a Solomon company that's coming. Huh? There's a Solomon company that's about to rise in the earth that says we are not here to be intimidated by our devils. We are here to overthrow and occupy what, what Jesus has already made possible. Come on, tell somebody the Solomon company is here now. The Solomon company is here. In fact, how many you know that the longer we walk with God, the more we should rejoice over our battles? Huh? The longer you walk with God, the more you should start rejoicing over your battles because the battles are the indication that something is trying to get promoted. The battles are the indication that something is trying to block, I'm just going to say it this way, block your breakthrough. Whatever is blocking your breakthrough should be the indication that God is about to release heaven's glory over that situation. I just want to help us understand, ladies and gentlemen, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. And you have to know, we have been assigned to this generation. We have been put on this planet for such a time as this. And if we, if we begin to surrender the things that God has made possible, then the enemy, the Adonijah spirit, will continue to stay in power. But there's a Solomon company that's saying, we're about to be established. We're about to be promoted in the things of God. There's a breaking that's taking place. I, I was going to, I didn't really know how to put this in, fit it in, but it's something that I've just been working on. How many know that the things of God work in a responsive manner? In other words, God responds to us. Can you imagine how powerful that particular concept is? That God would respond to your praise. That God would respond to unity. That God would respond to agreement. That God works in a responsive manner. God would respond to prayer. That, that God would respond to faith. If we truly know that God is responsive, then you have to understand that we have the ability to initiate the movements of God into our situation. Not dictate, but initiate. If you really truly believe and understand that God is responsive, then, then you, would, you would act a little different than you do at times in your life. Because if you really know that God inhabits the praises of his people, you would praise just a little bit more. I'm going to wait on you. Psalms 22, God inhabits the praises of his people. So that means when I praise, God comes in and he sits down and he gets married. He gets union to me because God inhabits the praises of his people. If you really understood that God commands the blessing, Psalms 133, in the place of unity, you would fight harder to be in unity. If we really believe that God responds to prayer, then we could initiate God by praying. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. That means this, that the hand of God 
can be moved. Just a little teaching before I preach this thing out. The hand of God can be provoked. It can be provoked into action where there was no action before. If my people, which are called by money, how many know that if you pray, God will respond? There are 331 ifs referred to in the Bible that invokes the movement of God. If we would be willing, we would eat the best of the land. Malachi 3 says, if you will bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse, prove me now, see if I won't be your God. James 1, 5 says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives us to all generously. How many know that God knows that you lack wisdom? <laughs> How many know that God knows that? But how many know that God will only give it to you if you ask? Jeremiah 33 says, if you call unto me, I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. Mark 9, 23, Jesus said, if you can believe, then all things are possible. So we possess the ability to initiate the movements of God by our ifs. You can't dictate the moves of God, but you can initiate them. That's why... In, in our world, in our nation, if the church would just recognize there's a wrong spirit in play and begin to take its place in the kingdom of God and begin to put a pushback on the Adonias spirit, then God would respond to our praise. He would respond to our prayer. He would respond to our faith. He would respond to our unity. And what is reigning will be taken out because it cannot stand against the authority of the church. But God's people have to initiate it. How many of you, I hear people say, well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. How many know that the Lord's waiting on you? I'm just waiting on God. Listen, listen, you can't wait on, God has done everything he's ever going to do. He's waiting on you to step out into a realm called faith that makes no logical sense and begin to push back on the powers that be so that the power of heaven can be manifested in your life. So in our text, this is where I'm going to get to now. In our text, you have King David who's coming to the end of his reign, and there's about to be a shift of power. There's about to be this shift of authority, and a new reign of authority was trying to emerge. But before Solomon could get established, before Solomon could get set in his place, there's this gap between the former move of God and the impending move of God. There's this gap between the former reign and the impending reign. There's this gap in this place where that, that the Adoniah, the Ad, I'm just using the Adoniah spirit, begins to emerge itself in this gap. The Adoniah spirit begins to fill the gap and begins to exalt himself to the throne. And the question was asked, if Solomon is supposed to be king, then how come Adoniah is king? If Solomon was the one chosen by God, if Solomon was the one handpicked, by God, then how come it is that Adoniah has stepped into this place? How come it is that the wrong spirit is taking over? The battle that is taking place in the earth right now, ladies and gentlemen, is the battle over authority. 
who is going to be in charge? And the moment the church surrenders its authority, the Adonaiah, the usurping spirits of our day, will rise up and begin to lead the way. The struggle of our day is over who is going to be in control. And both God and Satan, both of them know, both of them know that the authority in the earth is always released through people. All earthly authority is directed and determined by those in leadership. Those who we follow and those who are elevated. Whoever is in charge ultimately determines something about your life. Look at your neighbor and say, he's about to go with it now. I'm telling you. I'm, tell, I'm about to pick on this spirit like nobody's business. That, that This spirit that has stepped into play has tried to raise its voice, raise its ideologies, raise its agenda, and this is not time for the church to sit back and sing our little kumbaya songs and burn a bunch of candles and talk to statues, this is a time for the church to begin to realize that we have been sentenced to this planet for such a time as this, and as long as we have breath in our body, Adonai cannot stay in power forever. Because all earthly authority will determine something about the way we live our lives. When something is about to be established, I'm going to use it this way. When something is about to find its place, it becomes a very strategic time because establishment deals with that which is permanent. When something gets established, it speaks to us about permanency. When something is established, that means it gets set in place. And you have to know in this season, even though it looks shaky, <laughs> even though it looks uncertain, God is establishing his people. God is establishing his church in the midst of the craziness. When it looks like hell is breaking loose, you have to know that God is at work in his people and he's using the hell that is breaking loose to establish the identity of the church in the midst of all the craziness so the world will have somebody to look to, so the world will have somebody to come to. So part of the reason why things are being shaken is because the church has not been in its place. I'm going to preach this in just a moment. The church has not been in its place. We have preached our feel-good messages. We have preached our watered-down motivational speeches. And now that when, the, when the world is being shaken, the church is being shaken. Ladies and gentlemen, we are a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And these are not the times for the church to fall apart. These are the times to recognize that God is moving in the earth and he's moving to the church to a place of establishment. So in this gap, we are being confronted. We are being confronted with a threat that's bigger than us. It's been, we're being confronted with a threat that has positioned itself into, proper, into an improper place without permission. And the agenda of Adonai, now this is very clear. You can read it through, through, through 1 Kings there. The agenda of Adonai is very clear. It, he, he has a usurping spirit. He has his own ideologies. He has a crooked leadership. This is Adonijah. He, he, he has wrong authority. And he's positioning himself in this gap between what God did do in the past and what God is about to do in the future. 
and this spirit is raising its head. And the only entity on this planet that has power to deal with it is the church. (laughs) So in our text, David comes to us as an Old Testament type or picture of Jesus Christ. That's what David is to us in the Old Testament. This will will be on the screen for you. Adoniah represents the spirit of our age. He represents the value system of mainstream culture. He represents worldly affairs. That's what an Adoniah spirit does. Solomon represents to us a true son, a son of the faith with the heart of the father. Solomon to us is a picture of the church. Adoniah is a picture of the world. The picture of the world is ruling and reigning because Solomon's not in place. But when Solomon gets in his place, Adonai can't reign. So in this gap, in this gap where the church is being confronted with this Adonai spirit, the church has fallen prey. Now let me work it out a little bit. The church has fallen prey to compromise and conformity. Part of the great divide in the body of Christ is that we tend to believe culture more than we do Bible. And we tend to lean our preferences to cultural demands than we do to Scripture. Now, I would expect the world to lean that way, but I don't expect the church to lean that way. The church should be different. The church should have a standard. The church should be set apart. How many know that people are not flocking to our churches in America because when they get there, the church don't look any different than the world that they came out of? In order for the church to be effective, the church has to be distinctive. So so, so part of this great divide is that the church, and this is where we got to be careful because the church leans in to mob rule. The church gives in to doctrines of devils. Got really quiet. Y'all gonna throw a pillar. Culture, this will be on the screen, culture should not define who we are just because it's popular doesn't mean it's God. It might be legal but it don't mean it's right. And if we're going to overthrow an Adonai's spirit, there has to come a Solomon company who has the heart of their father, who has walked in righteousness, who has walked in his integrity before the Lord. Mm. Look with me in Matthew chapter 10. Let me show you something real quick. Is this our, if I work a couple scriptures on you? Matthew chapter 10. This is so good. Matthew chapter 10, verse number 32. This is Jesus speaking. He says, therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. This this is where it gets tough. Verse number 34. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Mm. To confess something 
means to publicly affirm it, to declare it openly and plainly. Watch this. I'm going to mess with you because some of us have been taught that he was talking about salvation. Jesus is not talking about salvation in the context of this scripture. He's not talking about salvation. You've got to read a few verses before that. He's talking about discipleship. His words are set in the context of a discussion about what a true disciple looks like. He's telling you what a true, not American Christian, he's telling you what a true disciple looks like. You can be saved, but fail to publicly acknowledge your relationship with him. You, you can be on your way to heaven, but not be a true disciple. And ladies and gentlemen, believers do not shift the planet. Believers do not overthrow the planet. Believers do not overthrow strongholds. Disciples do. Those who have been born from above and they openly confess that with their mouth that they come against the impending strongholds that are trying to rule and dominate and they are not status quo believers. Oh. This will be on the screen. A secret agent Christian is not a disciple. <laughs> I know we got some people out there say, well, I'm an undercover Christian. No, you're just an undercover believer because you don't want to get on board with God's plan. And what changes the world is not those who believe in Jesus, but those who follow on after Jesus, those who want to know him in the power of his resurrection. So we got undercover believers because they'll act holy on Sunday, but they'll do what they want to Monday through Saturday. It's undercover believers. You got the security of heaven, but you have no relationship with the ongoing Lord and Savior of your heart. And we got we have reduced church down to a believer form of believism while the world is going to hell and America is being flipped upside down. The church just wants to be a good Christian when God is calling us to take up your cross and follow hard after me. Follow on to know the Lord. We, we had enough of this milk toast, mandy pandy, boil it down kind of religion that don't change nobody, that don't shift nothing. But there's a Solomon company that's rising in the earth that says, I refuse to let the powers of hell overthrow the generation that I've been called to save. Hey, push on somebody and tell them a Solomon company's coming. If you confess Jesus, go public with your Christian faith. This is what Jesus is saying in the context of that scripture, and you can read it all. If you confess him, go public with your faith. In other words, don't be afraid to take one on the chin. I am so aggravated. <laughs> I am so aggravated at Christians, preachers, let me just go to preachers, who are apologizing for their faith because of mob rule and cancel culture. We got preachers who are standing in the pulpit who are apologizing for their faith because they have given in because they're more concerned about nickels and noses than they are the truth of God's word. And they are speaking to a people and holding them at bay with captivity over their life where there is no life, there is no power, there is no direction, there is no movement. 
And I just want to clear, listen, I've had people walk out on me a bunch of times in church, and I just, I thought when they walked out on me, I, I didn't think they understood me. But I have come to realize people leave because they understand exactly what I'm saying. They understand exactly what, you don't have to worry what side of the fence I'm on. You're going to know what side of the fence I'm on. We got to get these off the fence traveling believers into a place where they begin to run their life like Christ. See, if you confess Jesus, if you go public with your Christian faith, then Jesus said, I will confess you before the Father. Here's what he's saying in context. I'm going to intercede for you. If you go public with your faith, then I'm going to stand before your Father which is in heaven, and I'm going to intercede for you. Let me say it this way. Jesus said, if you will go public with your faith, then I'm going to run interference for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to be your blocker. I'm going to be your forward blocker, and I'm going to be your rear guard. But if you deny him publicly, he will deny you before his father. hear this in these soft Christian places anymore, do we? We just want to throw that off on the sinner who just gave their life to Jesus. Well, you got to publicly confess. No, how about the believer? Why don't we come out of our closets? Why don't we come out of playing on our heels and say, you know what? This is an offensive game, and we're about to expand the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. This has nothing that has nothing to do with salvation, but it speaks about our deliverance in history. That's what it speaks about. If you're an undercover Christian today, your prayers will not be answered. I don't care how much you shake. If you're an undercover Jesus said, I'm not going to answer your prayers. I don't care how many tears flow from your cheeks. If you are an undercover Christian, your prayers will not be answered and you will lose kingdom rewards. I apologize for sounding so forceful, but I just forgot that I was forceful. Ronald May, this will be on the screen for you because I'm, listen, ladies and I'm trying to prepare this church for a fight. I'm trying to prepare you not to let go of the promises of God. I'm trying to prepare this house that we've got a fight in front of us and we ain't about to let go of anything that God's ever promised us. I'm not letting go of my health. I'm not letting go of, the, of, of my children. I'm not letting go of my grandchildren. I'm not letting go of my marriage. I'm not letting go of the promises of God. I, they are yes and they are amen. I'm not about to surrender. I'm not letting go of my nation. Ronald May said it this way. He said, the opposite of courage in our society is not cowardness. It's conformity. It's conformity. That's the opposite. You see, what, what the church needs is a little bit more courage, a little bit more boldness. The price of popularity is conformity. You can be popular or you can be effective. We got Christians who know more about the Kardashians. 
keeping up with the Kardashian. How about we just keep up with the cross? Can't let life, people, or circumstances intimidate us. Let me just work on these scriptures for a moment. That's all right. I just got a few minutes. Look with me in uh, James chapter 4. Boy, you know, I already messed up when you said James. You know, somebody about to get a black eye in the spirit. James, the half-brother of Jesus, he just don't play. James 4.4, 4, look how he starts out verse number 4. You bunch of cheaters. <laughs> you adulteresses. I mean, I read some of these scriptures, I just I get to say, Lord, Lord, Lord Jesus, help us. Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy to God. It's not that we don't love sinners. You just can't be part of what sinners do. Because if there's no distinction about you, undercover Christian, then you are part of the problem with the American church. The reason why the church is moving at a snail's pace it's because we want to be in love with God and we want to befriend the world at the same time. Somebody say, I can't believe he's preaching. I'm talking to the people that are watching on Facebook Live, okay? Do you know that worldliness and godliness do not coexist? The reason why Adonijah thinks that he can take his place is because the church is not in place. Mm -hmm. When the church goes out, I want to lighten up in a minute. It's going to get really good, okay? Just for the next 20 minutes, buckle your seatbelt. There will be some turbulence. But I know how to land a plane. <laughs> Don't freak out. I know, how, I, know how to, I know how to get the wheels down, throttle back. I know how to do it now. Pull my flaps up, whatever. Y'all see me throw my heel up. He got his flaps up. <laughs> when the church goes after worldly desires or pursues worldly appetites, it's an enemy to God. Now, we live in a cancel culture, right? And the reason why the censorship, you think the censorship is just for conservatives, the censorship is spiritual. It's not to drown out the voice of conservatism. It's not to cancel out the culture of conservatism. It's to cancel out the truth of God's voice. And so if they can start there, they'll end in the church. That's why we have to realize and understand this is not a game. This is not a show. If we're not careful, your children will grow up under a dictator. Your children will grow up in a communistic country because the church became quiet when the church should have been saying, why does Adonijah reign? Why then does Adonijah reign when Solomon is supposed to be there? Look with me in 1 Corinthians. Let me just work on this for a few more minutes. 1 Corinthians, 
chapter 10. Guys, I think I gave it to you, but I'll just work it from my Bible. If, throw it up there if you got it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 21. You cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. Ugh. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and partake of the cup of demons. In other words, godliness and worldliness do not coexist. Why is it the church is so enamored with the world? When we should be heartbroken for the people that are lost in it. To the point that it drives us to initiate the moves of God in the earth. He said, Solomon, what are you dreaming about, Solomon? And Solomon said, I just want to understand. You ever wondered if God would ask you, what do you dream about? I want a bigger house. I'd like to have a new truck. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> My truck is 13 years old. Bless God. I want a new truck. But that ain't what I'm dreaming about. You know what I dream about? I, sometimes I hear in worship, what I dream about, what would it look like if the power of the Holy Ghost just overly made, began to manifest and people began to stagger and fall out under the power? I sit there in worship thinking, God, what if you just gave a glimpse of what you are in all of your glory, in all of your holiness? Could we even stand for another 30 seconds because I dream about the movements of God? Well, I just dream I just want a better job. I want a husband. Maybe you ought to just get God. I just, I, I, I dream, I dream, I, I dream, I, even if I dream, I, Lord, my prayers throughout that, God, shake us. Shake us. God, wreck us. You ever prayed that prayer? God, just wreck the way I feel about everything. To your presence becomes so overwhelming. I want it so that when we gather in here corporately, that the presence of God is so tangible that people can walk in here under the convicting power of the Holy Ghost and they don't even know why they're crying. They don't know why they want to live up and open up their hearts to God. They've come in here. They just know that there's something different about the atmosphere because we have initiated something with our praise. We have initiated something with our faith. We have initiated something with our prayers. We don't come in here on Tuesday nights to kill an hour. We come in here on Tuesday nights to kill the power of hell to let them know you will not rule and reign over this territory. Ah. It's not punching in your clock, your religious clock. Where are the disciples, the true sons of God? Look with me in 2 Corinthians. You can't eat at the table of demons. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm not mad, I'm just intense. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number, what number, 15? Let me start there. What harmony has Christ with Belial, form of the devil? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? He's just saying there's nothing in common there. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? Mm. We are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them, and I will walk among them, and I will be their God. I want him to be my God, but here's the next verse, and they shall be my people. I want him to be my God, but I want to be his people. 
Therefore, here it is. Just keep hanging out with them. Just keep going down that road and keep drinking that cup. Keep, keep partaking. Come on, I'm not preaching to you. I'm talking to the American mentality church. He said you got to come out from among them, from their midst. And what? Be separate. And do not touch what is unclean. And we're going to welcome you. Such mixture. Adonijah gained strength through mixture. Adonijah gets the upper hand through compromise. See, the things in your life that you're struggling with, it's not that you're not more powerful than Adonijah. You've just given license for Adonijah to be in his place and not you. Mm -mm. What God's trying to emerge is the bride, the son, the true church that carries the heart of the father. And for all of us that, that get hung up on religious teaching, which is the battle over your past, that's religious teaching. The battle's not over your past. It's not like you've been a bad person. The devil gets to beat up on you for 10 years. That's a religious teaching. The battle's not over where you came from. The battle's over where you're going. And the reason why the enemy has set his Adonai in place is because the church is too busy looking back rather than taking ground forward. We're too busy repenting of what we've already been forgiven of. And not that you don't need to repent. Don't, don't throw that out there. You've got to repent. But, but we keep repenting over something we've already been healed, delivered, and saved from. And we keep letting our minds go back to a place in our life where there was hurt and pain and unforgiveness because the enemy dwells in your past. He does not know anything about your future. But if he can trip you up in your past, he'll keep you from embracing your future. See, the whole, the whole battle is that the church is about to come to its place of authority. And hell is doing everything it can to defend its occupation. The battle is to keep the church from being established. The church from being set. So here we have this gap. Now this has got like nine minutes left. I can see the runway. It's just not clear yet. <clears throat> I'm not rated with instruments, Clyde. Had to fly by sight. So in this gap, we have these entities, these powers that be that want to tell the church what we should be a part of and define what the church should look like. We have these entities in our America right now, these ungodly ideologies, these ungodly rulers that are trying to tell the church that this is your place and this is your role. You sit in your building and you sing to yourselves, but don't bring it outside the walls of your church. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus did not die inside the walls of anybody's house. He died for all of humanity to see that this gospel of power is about to go global. <laughs> so they're trying to define the role of the church. People who are not a part of us, hear me young person, people who are not a part of us are telling you what the church should look like. Woke culture 
cancel culture. This is what we want you to look like. No. We look like our king who said, I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. I came to divide. I came to set people against people because I'm going to find out where your heart is. I'm going to find out what you're tied to. I'm going to find out what your allegiance is kept up with. So they put these questions on us. Well, what is the role of the church in politics? Y'all heard me say it last week, whatever we want it to be. Huh. Well, what is your role in education? Whatever we want it to be. Well, we don't want the church in business. Too bad. We're there. Well, we don't want the church in entertainment. Too bad. You can't cancel this movement. You can cancel culture, but you can't cancel out God. Well, we don't want the church meddling in morality. We don't want the church telling us how to live. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be careful because I only got six minutes. It's not for governments, politicians, or big tech companies, or any other entity to define the role of the church. Even if they try to censor us, this message cannot be quiet. Now, this is where I'm, I'm, I'm just working here because I'm going to try to get to this last verse here in just a minute. But I'm just working this out because I want to make sure you understand what I'm trying to get through to this house so that we can be effective disciples that promote the goodness of God to a dying world. They said, we don't want you in our schools. I can deal with that. I don't want to be in your schools either. But you stay out with your ideologies. How come you can come in there with your ideologies and we can't come in there with our message? If you're going to come in our schools, teach scholastics. Teach them how to read. Teach them how to write. I don't have a problem with that. But don't come up in there with your ideologies and teach my five-year-old what a sex toy looks like. Y'all ain't got to say nothing. I came here to preach my message. I got five minutes. And, and, and we wonder why America is going to hell in a handbasket. It's because we're letting ideologies in our public school systems, but we want the church to stay out, but we'll let them push their, their agenda. Well, we'll stay out, but don't you come in there telling us that our kids can experiment with their gender. That ain't for you to teach my kids about gender. I'll teach my kids about my gender in my own house. Gender has nothing to do with algebra. Y'all ain't going to say nothing, but I'm going to go down this list. Y'all are the ones, y'all, y'all, the people, the ideologies want to walk up in there to my first grade classroom and let some transgender drag queen read books in the library and tell me that's okay. I'm just trying to tell you, why does Adonai reign? Y'all the ones who are coming up into our school systems telling us that moral relativism is okay? Y'all are the ones who came up in our school system and told our little kids that it's okay to have three daddies. 
That has nothing to do with grammar. Teach them scholastics. Keep your idiotic, godless ideologies out of my children's face and the church will stay out of your face. But if you come up in here with your junk, we're going to come up in here with our message. Ah. Well, we just want y'all to stay out. We just want y'all to stay out of politics. I don't have a problem with that. I'll stay out of politics. Just don't pass ungodly laws. We were fine when a man and a woman was legalized to get married. But when you made it legal for a man to marry a man and a woman to marry a woman, you politicized marriage. Now, you want me to stay out of something that you have politicized? <laughs> well, we don't want to. This, we don't, you're a believer. You're not a disciple. We don't want to upset nobody. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a war. Your very livelihood is at stake. And you know what makes the American economy work so good? It's because people keep enjoying their pleasures while the world is going to hell in a handbasket. But the moment your pleasures is snatched out from under you, then you're going to realize we should have been fighting against this way long time ago, but now it's too late. Why does that Anaya reign? Y'all were the ones who said George can compete against Brenda. Y'all ain't got to say nothing. It's okay for an MMA fighter who's now described as a woman that was a man can get into a ring with a woman and beat her brains out, and we call that normal? I'm just saying we didn't pick this fight. You picked the fight. And we're going to say we're not going to let Adonijah reign. We've got a voice. We've got a place. We've got a part in what is going on in the nation that we have been living in. <laughs> Y'all the ones who are trying to normalize pedophilia and say it's okay to have sex with kids. Y'all the ones who have refunded abortion. Y'all are the ones who said it's okay to take Planned Parenthood and refund it with your tax dollars. You know what? You're an accomplice to murder. Well, if y'all don't comply, we're going to take away your tax exempt. Here's my statement. Take it away. I don't care. I don't lean on the government to be the source of my supply. Take it away. If that's what the battle is over, take it away. Take away everything that you want to take away. I don't care. I'm not fighting for tax exempt. I'm fighting for the life of the unborn who have a right to be here as much as you and I have a right to be here. Y'all were the ones who remandated that transgenderism is okay, that the man identified as a woman can walk into my six-year-old girl's bathroom. No, that's going on. It's going on right now. What you going to do when a teacher at your school who's a man but identifies as a woman walks in there on your fifth grader? Well, he just, he just going to go with the flow. No. No, we ain't. 
I know, I know I'm probably preaching to the choir, but somebody ought to say, no, we ain't. Somebody ought to fight back. I know here's the argument. Well, we got to do Romans 13. We got to submit to those in governing authorities. That's true. When they are ministers and servants under God. Read it. Read it. When they're doing the work of God. Because if that's the case, Peter and John was in rebellion when they went against authorities. Paul was in rebellion after writing Romans 13 when he went against the Roman cohorts. If that's the case, Moses was in rebellion. His parents were in rebellion when they were, when they were trying to kill all the babies. His parents went and hid him. If we're going to just comply, why don't you just kill my baby? Here's my baby. Here it is. Take it. Daniel was out of compliance. The king said, listen, the only thing you worship around here is me. And anybody that doesn't worship me, I'm going to throw you into the lion's den. You know what Daniel did? He went back to his apartment, threw his windows open towards the east, and he still kept praying three times a day. He said, you going, if you, it is, I'm, not, I'm not bound to nobody but one king, and you ain't him. I'm going to bow to the king of all kings, and I'm going to keep praying. If you don't like the way I'm praying, then throw me in the lines, and you'll find out that God will intercede. God will get before you. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Why did that and I reign when we've been set in place? It's in this gap. I'll close with this scripture right here. This company that's emerging is not quitting. Nor can we be silent. Look how Jesus put it in Matthew 5, 13 and 14. This will be on the screen. I abbreviated a lot of it. But it says, you are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You're a city set on a hill. You know what a hill is? A hill is an elevated position. You're a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. You know what Jesus was saying in the context of the scripture? He said, I ain't trying to keep y'all quiet. I'm not trying to hide this faith. I'm going to put you on a hill so that everybody around you can see you. We ain't trying to hide and we ain't trying to be quiet. Some of you better start doing some homework in your schools. You start seeing some stuff going on in your school. And we got some educators in here. We got people that are helping us watch that stuff, and they're standing in the gap. They're helping fulfill their role, and I thank God for it. But some of you parents better know your kids come home with this crazy ideology. Where do they get that from? It's been indoctrinated into them because it's causing them to miss out on what God is really saying because there's no longer truth that's relative anymore. So now we get, now we get in arguments with 12-year-olds. So we got this gap, and in this gap, it's it's an uncomfortable time. It's an uneasy time because Adonijah is reigning, and America is teetering. America, I don't say it just, I'm not talking about presidents, I'm, I'm talking about the church. America needs a church. That don't stand up there and get motivational speeches and tell people how good you can be and how happy you can be. 
There's nothing about the cross that's happy. Jesus didn't die for your happiness. How is it that America has more megachurches than anybody in the world, but we got the worst morality problem than anybody in the world? It's because people will flock to tickling ears. And we'll compromise. I want to talk about sin. I want to talk about the moral decay in our society because, you know, we're going to run people off. Don't talk about interest groups. Listen, they ain't, they, they're, not, they're not censoring Antifa. They're not censoring porn hubs. Your little eight-year-old can get on a, on, on a, on a little phone right now and, and download whatever porn site they want. They don't care about your kids. Then you, it, those places are not being, lying politicians are not being censored. And you know they lying. Mainstream media ain't being censored, and you know they're lying. There's a Solomon company coming that's about to be established, that's about to be put in their place. Look, look with me, look with me, First Kings. Let, let me end with this. Pastor Porter, you guys can come on. I'm going to quit. I, I'm going to quit the, the runway. I just overshot it. I'm coming out. I'm circling. I'm circling. I'm running out of fuel. I'm circling. I'm circling. I'm circling. I'm circling. It's coming. First Kings. Did I tell you where to go? First Kings chapter 3, I think. 5. Yeah, is it up there? There we go. I can't read it from that board up there. It's just, it messes me up. 1 Kings chapter 5, verse number 3, it says, And you know that David, my father, was unable to build a house for the name of the Lord. This is Solomon talking. His God, because of the wars which surrounded him, until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord, my God, has given me rest on every side, <laughs> and there's neither adversary nor misfortune. Behold, I intend to build a house for the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord spoke to David my father, saying, Your son, your true son, whom I will set on your throne in your place, and he will build a house for my name. Here's where I want to say it to you. God is going to establish the church in a place where our enemies are irrelevant. Solomon said, my father, David, conquered every enemy around me. He wanted to build a house for his God, but he was a bloody man. David, who's a type of Christ, fought the battles for the son. Jesus was a bloody man. He fought the battles for his son, his church, his bride. And now the bride has to take its place and build a place where the presence and the awesomeness of God is manifested for every generation to receive from. It's going to put us in a place where the enemies are irrelevant. 
I'm not concerned about what the devil's doing, but I am concerned about what the church ain't doing. And God didn't leave this planet in the hands of politicians. He left it in the hands of his people who know how to build something where his glory would be manifested. David fought all the battles so Solomon could build a house. Jesus fought all the battles so his church could rule and reign what he's already overthrown. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the day we're living in. Why did Adonijah reign when we should be reigning, when we should be overthrowing? You should be walking on your job, overthrowing powers of hell. You should be a city set on a hill, a light that cannot be hidden. Everybody around you, you ought to go loud with your faith. You ought to go loud with your belief in God. You ought, to, you ought to make it loud. Everybody around you ought to know that you, I'm not talking about being stupid and flaky. I'm talking about just being a, stood, a good, strong believer that when people know you, they know what side of the fence you stand on. There's no compromise. There's no mixture because Solomon is about to have his day, but Solomon has to have a heart after his father who has a heart of righteousness, who has a heart of purity. Why did that Anaya reign? When we've been called to reign, come on, stand to your feet. Come on, everybody, stand to your feet. He's establishing. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo. I know this preaching like this, it don't win. It don't win. It don't gather the crowds. I get it. I get it. I get it. I, I know that, but I, I'm so far beyond being a people pleaser. I'm so far beyond that. God didn't call me to please you. God called me to preach to you. I'm so beyond trying to make people feel happy and make people feel blessed. And I, and I know God will bless you, and I, got, I know God will do all those things. But at the end of the day, God needs a bride. God needs a people. God has to have a remnant that's sold out to him. Come on, all over this building one time where you just lift your hands and begin to magnify him. Come on, will you just make that your prayer? God, I'm going to give you my heart. Ask what you want from me. Ask what you want from me. Solomon, you're not asking for riches. You're not asking for fame. You're just saying, give me a discerning heart. Help me discern between what's good and what is bad. Let me discern between what is evil and what is right. Where is the remnant? Oh. Rise up, man of God. Rise up, woman of God. Be established in his place.
Father, all over this building today, we lift our hands and we lift our hearts. God, we believe that we're living in some critical hours, uncertain times, but in the midst of that, you're up to something. And God, we declare to now by faith that we can initiate the movements of God because God, you would respond to our prayer. You would respond to our faith. You would respond to our agreement. You would respond to those things that we have in common with one with one another. So, Father, today in the name of Jesus, we lift up our praise. We lift up our celebration. We lift up our king. We lift up that name that's above every other name. And we declare that Adoniah will not reign. Adoniah will not reign. Adoniah will come down. Adoniah will fall. Adoniah will fall. And the church would be established. The church would be established in its place. God, we stand against the powers of darkness. We stand against the ideologies of darkness. We stand against mixture. We stand against compromise. And we declare that we are a holy remnant. We are a bride that is without spot, that is without wrinkle. And we are righteous. We are holy in the eyes of the Lord. Take about 30 seconds and just initiate the movement of God. Initiate the movement of God. Initiate his movement over your life. Come on, the powers of hell are shaking. The powers of hell are being shaken. Canada. Power. Power. Move. Move across this land.
See, this, this, this Solomon church is not a church without its flaws. You got to remember Solomon's mother was Bathsheba. Solomon was a mistake by David. Solomon's mother was Bathsheba. David had an affair with Bathsheba. I'm just trying to tell you, God's going to use imperfect people to occupy his places of authority. That's right. That's right. See, the devil will try to count you out, says you're not qualified. God said, you know what? I'll let my lineage flow all the way through a messed up life. Rahab was not qualified, but the lineage of David came through Rahab. Because this Solomon church is not a perfect people. Here's the difference. They're a hungry people. They're hungry for the things of God. No compromise. They're not going to be in love with one thing and chase something else. Spiritual adultery. Not going to do it. Not in this house. This church is rising. Woo. God's breaking things off. I'm telling you, He's breaking it off. Oh, you're, listen, I want to pray this prayer real quick. It, Tiffany, is it Tiffany? What, what, your husband, I forgot your name, man. Chris, Chris with a K. Chris with a K and Tiffany. I know this not because of discernment. Christy called me or texted me yesterday, I think it was, or maybe it had been the day before, about your son. He's got an operation on Tuesday. And, and I know this by the natural because Christy told me. So I'm not trying to make something up that's not what I don't already know. But I think that's your son right there, right there, with Miss Anna right there, right? Your son was born with a purpose. Your son was born with a destiny. And the irregularities that is owned and that's attached to him. God said, I'm just going to use that as a sign. Because when he goes in for operation, there's going to be power. There's going to be a healing that's going to be released. And he's not going to walk and live with those irregularities all of his life. I know there's a natural medicine, there's a natural surgery. But I'm telling you, the hand of the Lord is not only on y'all, but it's on your son. And God's raising you up for this generation. So we speak. What's your son's name? Will. Will? William. So we speak healing over William. We speak life over William. We speak the purposes and the promises of God over William right now in the name of Jesus. And we declare you to be healed, be made whole. Rise up and declare the works of God to your generation. Come on, give God a praise. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. We're coming into a season like we have never seen before. There's going to be more signs, more wonders, more miracles, more salvations. Because Jesus said, I'm not coming. I'm not coming to bring peace to your life. I'm coming to disrupt your life. 
I'm coming to draw a line in the sand. A sword comes to divide. A sword comes to split. A sword comes to pierce. And Jesus said, I'm coming to pierce the areas of your life to let you know I'm not coming here to be your buddy. I am coming here to be your king. I am coming here to be the Lord over everything in your life. It's a dividing line. Because Adonijah is coming down. Come on, all over the building. Just bow your heads for a moment. Only because I don't know everybody in here. Only because I don't know. But maybe you're in this place today and you don't know Jesus Christ. As your personal Lord or your Savior. Or maybe you did it one time, but now you know you're in a backslidden condition. And you know you got to get it right. There's sin in your life, and that's what separates us from Christ. It's our sin. And you may be doing all right. Maybe you say, you know what, I don't, I don't really need God. I got a good job. I've got, I've got, a, I got a home. I got, I got a car. I got some money. All that works in the natural realm, but it doesn't work in the eternal realm. And you're in here today, and your life it's not in the right relationship with God. Or maybe it once was, but now you know you're in a backslidden condition. It's really only three reasons why you need Jesus. Number one, because you have a past. You can't go back and fix it, but he can. And the Bible says he'll walk back into your past and he'll make all things new again. The second reason why you need Jesus is because you need a friend. Jesus knows the worst about you, but he believes the best. The Bible says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And the third reason why you need Jesus is because he holds your future. He holds your future. And you're in this place today and you're unsure. You're saying, you know what, I don't know, I don't know. If I were to die today, I don't know. I don't know where eternity would be for me. You could be a good person, but that doesn't put you in heaven. The only thing that puts you in heaven is a relationship with Jesus Christ where you acknowledge him as the Lord over your life. Two types of people in this room today, those that are born again and those that are not. Those that are on their way to heaven and those that are not. Maybe you're in this place and not asking you to join this church, not asking you to be a member. Maybe you're just visiting, but you say, just say, you know what, I need to get it right. I just need to get it right. You're, people have got their heads bowed. People are praying all over the sanctuary today. We've been praying for you every Tuesday night. We've been praying for you. You're in this place and you say, you know what, I just need to get it right. I need to acknowledge that today. If that's you, just raise your hand right where you are. Just raise your hand right where you are. I just want to get it right. I'm just scanning the audience. Just, I, I want to get it right. I need to make Jesus the Lord over my life. If that's you, I want to make this prayer. I don't want you to hold out. It takes a lot of courage to live for Jesus. It takes a lot of courage especially to raise your hand and around a bunch of people that you don't know, but you're saying, I want to get it right. I'm going to scan the audience one more time. Just raise your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see that. I see, I see it. So all it takes is just acknowledging. It's just acknowledging. Just acknowledging. I'm going to get it right. I'm going to get it right. I'm going to make it right today. In Jesus' name. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Several people raised their hands. 
Several people raised their hands. Church, can we give God praise for those that raised their hands? Those that raised their hands. This is what we're going to do. In two minutes, we're walking out of this building. In two minutes, we're walking out of this building. But I want to have a chance. If you will let me to pray with you. I just want to pray. I want to make sure that your eternity is secured. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you today. If you'll give me the privilege of leading you to Jesus, that's what I want to do. In two minutes, we're walking out of this building. Everybody can go home. But if you raise your hand, will you just come down here to the front and meet me for a 30-second prayer? That's all it takes. Will you just step out of your seat? God bless you. Come on. God bless you. Come on. Raise your hands. Come on. There's, a, there's several more. Come on. Just, just stand right there if you don't mind. Thank you. Thank you. There's several more that raise their hand. I'm just going to wait on you. I need somebody. Come on. Just stand right here with this lady right here. Amen. 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 I'm going to ask the whole church to pray with me. First of all, thank you for your courage. Thanks a lot of courage. But I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm just going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. The Bible says, if you'll believe with your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. If you'll confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. So I'm going to ask you to do this with me. It's a sign. Everybody in this building is going to raise their hands. It's a sign of surrender. Will you just raise your hand because you're saying, I'm surrendering my life. Now I want you to pray this prayer with me. Everybody help me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus. I come to you just like I am. I come to you just like I am. And I give you my life. And I give you my life. And I give you my heart. And I give you my heart. And I'm asking you today. And I'm asking you today. To forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me of all my sins. And let today be the first day for the rest of my life in a relationship with you. And I thank you today for saving me, for forgiving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Church, will you just rejoice? Give God the biggest praise for somebody that just gave their life to Jesus. I've been doing this for nearly 30 years now, 21 years full time, and that moment right there never gets old. That never gets old. That moment right there never gets old to me. Father, bless your people today. Go with them throughout their day. Be with them throughout their week. Lord, let every hand that touches anything cause it to be blessed. Lord, multiply their endeavors. Strengthen their walk and encourage their faith. And Father, we thank you for an amazing day. We thank you for an amazing week. And we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Love on somebody real good. We'll see you Tuesday night.